Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. There's this paramount importance of not moving forward absent this prevailing peace. Something Oswald Chambers once said, when in doubt, don't. Just wait. Wait for the Lord. I'm learning and sadly I have to learn many things the hard way and I have the scars to prove it. But I'm learning how to obey that pause, that check that God gives. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. A triumphant Christian is one who does the will of God, but how can you be sure you know the will of God for your life? This is one of the most commonly asked questions, and Pastor J.D. will answer it in today's teaching. He'll give three checks we can look out for. One of them is having the peace of God, knowing when to stop and wait. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of this broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with part one of his message, The Triumphant Christian. We'll finish chapter 2 today. Our text will be verses 12 through 17. The Apostle Paul, by the Holy Spirit, is writing to the Corinthian Christians and says, verse 12, Now, when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me, I still had no peace of mind, verse 13. And here's why. It's because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I said goodbye to them and went on to Macedonia. But thanks be to God, who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of Him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one, verse 16, we are an aroma that brings death. To the other, an aroma that brings life. And who is equal to such a task? Unlike so many, verse 17, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. The title that I've chosen for today's teaching is The Triumphant Christian. I chose this title because the Apostle Paul here in our text demonstrates and illustrates specific characteristics of the victorious and triumphant Christian life. This is what the victorious Christian life looks like. This is the characteristic of a Christian life that is victorious and triumphant. I would venture to say that there's probably not a one of us in this wonderful church here today who doesn't want to live a victorious Christian life. 
I can't imagine that any of us would be content to continue living our Christian lives in defeat. I'll take it a step further and suggest that more than even us, God himself desires for us to walk in victory. That is his desire for us as his people. It brings no glory to God. It does not please God for his own to walk in defeat. And it's for this reason that I believe we have passages like the one that's opened up before us this morning. It's passages like this that provide us with a practical nuts and bolts application, if you will, with which to apply to our own walk with the Lord, so as to walk in the victory of the Lord. We find the first practical application in verses 12 and 13, which is that the triumphant Christian is led by the Lord. And I say that in the sense that the triumphant Christian, the victorious Christian, is spirit-led as a follower of Christ. In verse 12, Paul says that when he went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, what he found there was that the Lord had led him there. He thanks God for that leading, and he says that the Lord had opened up a door for him. He says in verse 13 that because he didn't find Titus there, he had no peace of mind, so he said goodbye to them and went on his way to Macedonia. Now, this is interesting for a number of reasons, not the least of which is that Paul is led to leave this open door that God had opened for him in Troas to go to Macedonia to find Titus. Now, the reason that's interesting is because it speaks to one of the most important characteristics of a victorious Christian, namely that of discerning the will of God. It's evidenced by what we're told in verse 12, where Paul went to Troas to preach the gospel because he had sensed that the Lord was leading him there and that the Lord had opened up a door there. However, while God had opened up the door, he still didn't have this peace about staying there, which is why he discerned that it was God's will that he bid them farewell and go on to Macedonia. Here's where I'm going with this, and please bear with me because this is what I call a three-pronged template for knowing and discerning the will of God. This is something that over the years has been of great value to me in my own personal walk with the Lord. been walking with Jesus Christ for 34 years now plus, and one of the most important things, and one of the most often asked questions I get as a pastor is, how do I know if this is God's will? We want to be in the will of God, surely, but I don't know if this decision that I need to make is the will of God. And one of the things that the Lord has really ministered to me over the years is that he wants me in his will more than even I myself want to be in his will. 
And I never imagined that God is in heaven playing a chess game with me, trying to keep me from figuring out what the next move is going to be. God is not withholding His will, revealing His will from us. He wants us in His will. So this three-pronged approach, and by the way, it needs to be working in tandem one with the other. But the first prong is that God's will is always compatible with God's Word. That's the first thing that has to be in place. God will never lead us contrary to Scripture. I always use illustrations from when I was pastoring on the mainland And so this is one of those cases where I'm going to use an illustration and an example of what I experienced on the mainland. I had a young couple come up to me after a service one day, and they said to me that they were living together and that they sensed that it was God's will that they live together before they get married. And I was younger then, and I had more energy slash militancy. (laughs) So I was very blunt with them in my assuring them that it was absolutely not God's will that they live together, because the Bible says that's fornication. I have yet to have a young couple come to me, and instead of saying to me, we're living together, say to me instead, we're fornicating together. But that's what it is, and fornication is sin. And God will never go contrary to His Word. You'll forgive this example, but I had a Christian again on the mainland. Nobody here. You guys are great, you know. But on the mainland, he actually set up a meeting with me, and he wanted counsel. And he, in the course of the counseling session said to me that he believes that God is leading him to not tithe. Now you have to understand, as a pastor who's very sensitive about the whole money thing, right, I just had to take him through Scripture and say that is incompatible with the Word of God. And here's why. Well, he argued, tithing is the law. That's Old Testament. Oh, really? Not according to the principle of... This isn't a sermon on tithing, believe me. Well, (laughs) just bear with me. The principle of first mention, which is basically the first time something is mentioned in the Bible, we call it the principle of first mention. And the first mention of a tithe is pre-law, pre-Moses pre all of that, we find it with Melchizedek, who received from Abraham a tithe as this high priest. And that's the first mention, and it's pre-law. So if you go through all scripture, both Old and New Testament, what you find is tithing is a minimum. Tithing is a minimum. And if you want to get really legalistic about it, the actual tithe in the Old Testament worked out to about 30%. 
That's more than the gratuity in a restaurant, right? Isn't that 15%? That's twice the gratuity, 30%. So if you want to get real lawyer or law-ish or legal, then you would have to say that it would be 30%. But it has to be compatible with God's Word. This is the grid with which you run every decision through. I think about what James wrote. He contrasts the earthly wisdom, and he sort of lists the characteristics of earthly wisdom, sensual, selfish, and he contrasts it with the wisdom from above, which is first of all pure and peaceable and gentle and easy to be entreated and full of mercy and good fruits without hypocrisy or partiality. And it's again a template of sorts with which to examine, evaluate every decision you make as to whether or not this is the will of God or not. And so that's the first prong. And we see that with the Apostle Paul. He knew it was God's will for him to go to Troas. How did he know that? Because it was according to and compatible with the Word of God. He was going there to preach the gospel. Is preaching the gospel compatible with the Word of God? Yes, it is. Which is why, by the way, God opened up that door for him, which we'll talk about more in a moment. The second prong in the template of discerning the will of God is the peace of God. Now again, this has to be in tandem with the Word of God. So first, it has to be compatible with the Word of God, and then there has to be the peace of God. Oftentimes, God will provide a prevailing peace, and He places this peace that, as Paul writing to the Philippians in chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 says, it keeps our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It surpasses human understanding. It is that prevailing peace. And it's in our hearts. And it's that peace that keeps us in that place where we say, this is good between me and the Holy Spirit. There's just a prevailing peace about it. And it goes again in tandem with the Word of God. I find it interesting that Paul didn't really have this prevailing peace. It seems that this peace was disturbed when he realized that his brother Titus was not there in Troas. I find that interesting because this is what God does oftentimes. He will confirm his will by way of our brothers and sisters in Christ. One of the things that I really appreciate about all of you is that Ministry doesn't just take place between pulpit and pew. Ministry takes place between you and you, in the kitchen, out in the courtyard, out front. And sometimes God will choose to use that brother or sister in Christ to have a word for you, a word fitly spoken, and unbeknownst to them oftentimes it is an exact confirmation of that which you were seeking the Lord concerning. And I see that with the Apostle Paul here concerning the peace of God. 
One of the things I'm learning in my own walk with the Lord is that there's this paramount importance of not moving forward absent this prevailing peace. Something Oswald Chambers once said, when in doubt, don't. Just wait. Wait for the Lord. I'm learning, and sadly I have to learn many things the hard way, and I have the scars to prove it. But I'm learning how to obey that pause, that check that God gives. And God will give it when something just isn't quite right. He disrupts that peace. He disturbs that peace. And he does it really to protect us from ourselves, from making a very bad decision. I tell you, I've always regretted decisions I've made when I didn't obey that pause. And conversely, I've never regretted a decision that I made when I just obeyed it and realized that God had disturbed my peace because he wanted me to wait and he didn't want me to move forward and get ahead of him. Well, this brings us to the third prong in our template, which is that of God's providence. Again, this has to be in concert with God's Word and God's peace. This is where you can get into a lot of trouble if you take any of these, especially God's providence, standalone. And by that I mean if you just base your decisions on the providential circumstances without the Word of God or the peace of God, it's a pretty good chance you're going to make a decision that is outside of the will of God. These all work together, one with the other. There are those times when God will orchestrate the circumstances, choreograph the steps, if you will, and He does this to lead us through doors that He opens for us. I know you've experienced this in your life where God has closed a door here only to open up a better door over here. I've never had God close a door in my life without opening up not only another door, but in some cases an infinitely better door. Here's an example, and I use this example because this was a lesson the Lord taught me. We at one time were considering and thinking about and praying about buying the agape shop in Kailua where our church office was and actually still is. And God just closed the door. I mean, He didn't just close the door. With me sometimes God has to slam it shut, lock it, all ten locks, and destroy the keys to those locks in the lake of fire, <laughs> just so I won't go through that door, because I there's just something about me. I am stup, 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 obstinate. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> I'm so obstinate, and I'm so stubborn, I'm so tenacious, and sometimes it's to my own peril. So God slammed that door shut. 
only to open up another door at 47525 Kamehameha Highway. (laughs) Wow, God. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Early in my life, before I met my wife, I was praying. You know, I was in a dating relationship with these Christians in the church, and we would, you know, I would go out and I would pray, Lord, is this the one? Is this the one? Is this? I don't want to make it sound like I was. (laughs) That didn't come out right, did it? (laughs) Let me back up here a minute. And the Lord just closed the door on those relationships. And he did so to open up another door when in church I would meet my wife of 28 years this year. And by the way, young people, meeting your wife or husband future in church, that's a very good thing. That's a very good thing to meet them in church. That's a good place for them to be. Well, God will open up a door after he's closed one door, and it's always a better door, and that's the providence of God, providentially arranging the circumstances in our lives as he leads us. So now if you have the Word of God, the peace of God, and the providence of God, then I can assure you're in the will of God. You're in the will of God. Well, this brings us to our second one in verses 14 and 15, which is that the triumphant Christian has a pleasing aroma of Christ. I'll explain this. This is really fascinating, actually. In verse 14, Paul thanks God who always leads us as Christ's captives and He draws upon this triumphal procession as we spread his aroma everywhere. Now, you have to understand, in Corinth, in that day, almost 2,000 years ago, they would have known exactly what Paul was referring to. In verse 15, he says, We are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ, both among those who are being saved and, as well, those who are perishing. What is Paul saying here? Well, in order to better understand what he's saying, we need to first know a little bit about these ancient Roman triumphal processions, which were commonplace in Paul's day. That's all we have time for today on In Spirit and Truth. If you'd like to listen to today's message, head to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and click on the Listen tab. You'll also have access to a number of other teachings by Pastor J.D., as well as his weekly Aloha Prophecy Updates. You can download our mobile app to take these teachings with you wherever you go. Learn more about In Spirit and Truth and Pastor J.D. at our website and also on Twitter. We'd love to have you join the conversation there. We'd also love to meet you in person as well and would like to invite you to join us for our weekly services here at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. 
We gather each Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. and also on Thursdays at 7 p.m. And you'll find more information at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Just click on Calvary Chapel Kaneohe at the bottom of the page. Before we end today, Pastor J.D. has an encouraging word to share with you. It is such a blessing for me personally to be able to share God's Word with you on each edition of our In Spirit and Truth radio broadcast. Also, I'm so very thankful that you've tuned in to listen. The book of 2 Corinthians provides us a much-needed reminder of how divine power is realized in our human weakness. Sadly, though, this is not a popular topic today because, as one so aptly said it, the gospel does not ride on health and wealth, but on weakness. The ministry of the Spirit is not one of splash and flash, but of meekness and weakness. It's for this reason that 2 Corinthians has become one of my favorite books in the Bible. Not only does it provide us with the key to living victorious Christian lives, it also provides us practical application concerning how we treat other believers in our lives. It's my hope and prayer that you will be as encouraged and blessed by this book as I was. Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll tune in again for another edition of In Spirit and Truth Radio. 